Good morning, everyone. You can hear me all right, huh? I don't know if you were here last service, but this little silly microphone thing was bugging me, and I kept fidgeting with it. And um, I was reminded by somebody, a very caring young uh, elderly man, that uh, reminded me that if I had actually a head of hair, it would probably stay in place a little better. <laughs> it's all right, though. It doesn't bother me not to have hair. I, um, like I always tell everybody, God made some very beautiful people in the world, and all the rest he gave hair. So. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that commercial playing. Uh, um, and the guy says, I'm so modest, I can admit my fault. My greatest fault is that I don't realize how great I really am. <clears throat> I always love when uh, we get done um, in a service and people like to give you advice and tell you things. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the, the wonderful advice from, from our friend there, Ed. And um, there's a couple other things that were said, too. I'm going to share a couple of them. But uh, <clears throat> one of the things that first things that were said to me by Jim was, uh, I introduced myself and my wife, but I didn't use our names. So everybody was saying, hey you, hey you. So anyway, I'm going to introduce our names today. My name is Matt. Uh, most of you probably know me, but Matt Ham and my wife, Christine. Go ahead and raise your hand up. She, uh, she works alongside Pam in the office. Um, they do the administration work here, and you guys probably are very familiar with Christine, and probably not so much with me. Um, but I thought for a minute I'd uh, share kind of who we are and how we got here to Redwood. Like I said, I'm going to repeat our names again, Matt and Christine. That way, Ed, or, uh, that way Jim's happy when I get done. Um, we, uh, coming December, this, this next December, we will have been married 30 years. And um, I tell you that not because we have it all figured out and, and we've got things together, but um, just to um, share with you guys the fact that, that it was a faithful God that saw us through all of that. It's been amazing to look back over the years and see how he's orchestrated things from behind the scenes. And uh, uh, even through our difficult times and the times when we weren't believers and we were young, we were both uh, fairly young when we got married. I was 18 and she was 19, or I was 19 and she was 18. Um, and yet we can look back and see God's faithfulness as he continued to woo us to him. And, um, you know, years later, uh, we had been married quite a few years before we came to know Christ. Um, and at that point in our lives, uh, things changed and the love of God became the central focus of our lives and our marriage. And, um, it was all because of him. <clears throat> 2005, we were living in Texas, and we got challenged uh, about missions. And then we really felt God calling us to do that, so we packed up our family. We had two children. We have two children still. Um, we packed them up, and we headed off to Bible school um, for two years, a couple years of missions training. And then 2010, we headed off to Papua New Guinea um, to begin serving as missionaries over there. Excuse me. While we were there, both our children graduated from high school. Um, they went to an international school there that our mission ran, and um, so they, they made the transition back here to the States to continue on with their adult lives while we returned to Papua New Guinea to continue the work of seeing unreached people groups reached with the good news. <clears throat> so you're probably still wondering, how did we get here to Redwood Christian Church? And so we came home on furlough two years ago, um, the end of 2015, and um, my parents were living over by Crescent City, and my sister was living here in this area, and my wife's parents were living in Glendale, so um, naturally we were in this area. And while we were home, we began to see um, some dynamics within our, our families, um, especially with aging parents, that was probably going to prevent us from returning back to Papua New Guinea. And so we had been communicating with friends and churches, and, and some very dear friends of ours who we consider mentors had challenged us with this idea that uh, 
God's command to honor your father and mother. And we realize that that is just as strong a command as, as any others, and especially to go and make disciples. So we chose to stay home for the, for the sake of our parents, to be here close to help take care of them. And uh, I forgot to mention this last service, but most of you probably know from the prayer and praises that my father had a massive stroke in November, um, left him um, basically unable to use one half of his entire body. And so he's in this condition now where he can't take care of himself, and, and it's bad enough that it's way more than my mom can handle on her own. Um, and so, again, as I look back and see all the things God orchestrated during that time, um, it's just amazing that this loving God recognized, knew ahead of time what was coming, and, and put things in place so that not only were we here when the stroke happened, um, but he left us in a position where I can be full-time caretaker for my dad now. So. Um, I want to thank all of you that have been praying. And many of you ask all the time how he's doing, and, and he's making improvements um, daily, uh, mentally and, and physically. Um, and, and at this point in his life, it, it seems he um, has reached a, a post-stroke uh, depression where he doesn't want to work hard anymore. He's, um, even though he's able to now, he, he seems to be struggling to stay motivated to continue working. It's, it's a lot of work um, for him to, to, to be able to have a... a semi-independent life again. And so, I, again, I appreciate all your prayers and, and ask that you just keep continuing to pray for him and, and for myself and my mother as we care for him. <clears throat> so, as you know, Kurt's been going through this series, The Sounds of Marriage. Um, and this week, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the empty nest year is what we're calling the silence. It's a little awkward, huh? For some reason, there's this awkwardness to silence. When we were living in Papua New Guinea, we would regularly Skype and FaceTime with our family, friends, our children back here in the States. Um, and, you know, there was always that excitement in the first few minutes of everybody interrupting each other to catch up on what's going on in each other's lives. And, and it, inevitably, there was this point when uh, we ran out of things to say and we just stood there staring at each other on computer screens. And there was this awkward silence, and my wife is famous for always blurting out awkward silence, like somehow we're going to start talking again when she says it. But there is this awkwardness to silence. Um, and the silence we're talking about this week is the emptiness, this time in your life when <clears throat> the children have moved out, the house is becoming empty. Um, there's this strange silence that hasn't been there before. Um, no pitter-patter of little feet running around getting ready for school in the morning. Uh, you know, no more bickering, arguing in the morning over breakfast, over who's doing what to whom, and the sounds of playing in the backyard or screaming as somebody tried to do a, a X Games upstairs on the bed. <clears throat> and yet, the silence that seems so awkward doesn't have to be. It can be an awesome time. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll kind of jump into this. Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, you would be here with us here today, that you would open our hearts and minds um, to hear those things you have for us today to challenge us in those areas we need growth. I pray that you would uh, move me out of the way and speak through me and that these words that I say would be truth and, and challenging to um, all of us as we look to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the question is, why is this silence so awkward? And I believe that most of us, when the children come, we begin to focus our time on raising children. <clears throat> we begin investing so much time in raising our children that we often neglect the marriage relationship. The kids begin leaving the home and suddenly you're sitting across the table from your spouse, possibly 
seems like a stranger, somebody you're not used to talking to alone, not used to being alone with. And the problem is that the, the empty nest doesn't create the problem. The empty nest is revealing a problem that's been there all along. <clears throat> Parenting is for a season, but our marriages are for a lifetime. That's the way God created them to be. <clears throat> so when we lose focus of that, and we begin to focus all our time on our children, we lose the, this idea of this marriage, this most important relationship we can have here on earth. But I think even more important, the first and most important relationship we have is with God himself. <clears throat> In uh, Matthew 22, um, the Pharisees are, of course, were trying to trip Christ up, and they asked what the greatest commandment was. And his response was to love God and love others. And he put them in that order, I think, for a reason, because as we grow to love God more and more, it becomes easier to love others, those around us. And I think, I believe, ultimately, our meaning and purpose in life comes from living out the greatest commandments. So I think what we're going to do today is we're going to turn it over to Genesis 2, chapter 18. We're going to begin at the beginning, and I think he's got a slide ready for us as I read through um, Genesis 2, uh, verses 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused, Adam, caused the man to fall asleep. While he slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs, and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman, because she was taken from man. <clears throat> goes on to say, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Oftentimes, we tend to focus on the, the, the first half of verse 24, where it says, I mean, sorry, the second half of verse 24, this idea of a man and woman being united together in marriage, and, and um, that's usually where we end up camping out. But I wanted to move back up to the first half of the verse that says that a man leaves his father and mother. I believe that this is the, the formula God gave us for the family unit, this idea that the man and woman, the man-woman marriage relationship is permanent and the parent-child relationship is temporary. When we reverse those roles or get those mixed up, like I said, we end up neglecting this most important relationship God gave us in our spouse. The idea is that God gives us children so that we can raise them so that they can leave the home and be joined together with another. That's the formula God gave us for our family units. We were never meant to be our children's best friends. As difficult as that is to hear, it's, it's just not the way it is in Scripture. And they were never meant to be the center of our world. Instead, they were meant to be a stewardship. This idea that we're raising them so that they can be productive members of our society. We must be willing to release them into the world, <clears throat> learning how to entrust them to God so that he continue to do the work that only he can do in their lives, a work that we cannot do without him. The, uh, I forgot, I read this really neat verse, um, or a commentary from Wearsby on, on this verse about the, the husband and wife. And I want to share it with you guys today because I think it paints this really pretty beautiful picture of what, what marriage is. <clears throat> Talking about uh, the Adam and Eve, and, and, and at the moment God created her out of Adam's rib, he says, She, Eve, was made from him, 
She was made for him, and he needed her. Therefore, they will always belong to each other and lovingly serve each other. And it's a beautiful picture of, of what marriage was meant to be. And if you notice in there, there's, there's um, in that verse, the, the only mention of children is of them leaving the home, not of them being the central part of the home. Because the marriage relationship was meant to be the most important, closest relationship we can have in this world. I, when I got done last service, um, one of the men came up to me, one of the older men in our church, and um, his wife has passed, but he said to me, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened in their marriage was the day they realized that they were best friends. We weren't meant to be best friends with our children. We were meant to be best friends with our spouse for a lifetime. So, as I said earlier, I think our first and most important relationship we can have is with God himself. <clears throat> we cannot separate our relationship with God from our relationship with our spouse, from our relationship with our children or those around us. All our relationships should reflect and resemble that relationship we have with God. Here I am fidgeting with this thing again. Dang it, if I just had some hair. Um, and I believe the marriage institution was intended to most closely resemble that close, personal, intimate relationship that God desires to have with us. It's meant to be a beautiful picture that attracts people to himself. <clears throat> and it provides a unique environment for us to display God's image to the world. I believe the greatest thing we can do for our children is to show them that beautiful picture of our marriage relationship. As we do that, it's going to draw them to God. Not only that, it's going to draw others to God around us. And that was God's intent, intention with the marriage relationship. It's interesting, when you think about our, our most in, uh, important relationship being with God, when you go back to Genesis, you flip over from this beautiful time of creation when God created the man and the woman, and everything was perfect and good. And then the very next chapter, there's something sinister going on. Something's about to change. <clears throat> Satan enters the scene, but you know what's interesting is he doesn't attack Adam and Eve's marriage. You know what he attacks? He attacks their relationship with God. He begins to introduce doubt into their relationship with God. Why does he do that? Because Satan's smart and he knows where to attack, where he's going to do the most damage. And with God being the most important relationship we can have, he knew that that was where he needed to begin. The outcome of the broken relationship with God was a broken relationship with each other. And like a domino effect, it begins to cascade down into every other relationship. Satan attacked where the most damage could be done. Every relationship we have as believers is directly affected by our own personal relationship with God. When you flip over again to the next chapter, you begin to see the, the results of this broken relationship. First of all, Adam and Eve become ashamed at their naked together. It was one of the things that was pointed out. Well, I didn't read it in the first, uh, in verse 25, it says that they were naked and unashamed. They were enjoying life together. First thing that was broken after their relationship with God was stressed was their marriage relationship. They were ashamed to be naked together. And we see later on that Adam throws Eve under the bus. When God asked what happened, he didn't love her, he didn't care for her, he wasn't nurturing her. He said, it was that woman you gave me. She's the one that did it. And then you turn over again to the next chapter, chapter 4, and you begin to see the outcome trickling down even more. Two, two sons, the first brothers in the world, and they get in an altercation and one kills the other. <clears throat> it's because every relationship we have as believers is directly affected by our relationship with God. <clears throat> the point today is that we have to fight for our marriages. We have to fight to keep them strong, to keep them healthy. It's not just Satan out there that's 
attacking, but there's a sin nature within us that tends to drive us apart from one another. Separates us from God and separates us from each other. Last week, um, Kurt had mentioned some t- statistics about um, you know, older married couples and divorce rates, and I had read a, a report out of the, the UK where they had interviewed um, thousands of, of couples, and very similar to what Kurt said, they, they were seeing the divorce rates were coming down. Those numbers are coming down except for with one demographic, and that is empty nesters. Those older couples moving beyond their 40s into their 50s, children leaving the home, they've been married many years, and yet that's where the highest divorce rates occur. And I believe it's because we're seeing this domino effect of a relationship with God that's stressed, and it trickles down into our relationship with our spouse. We begin to allow our children to interfere with that relationship, and it continues to trickle down. So the question we have to ask ourselves today is, how are we going to keep our marriages strong and healthy, especially as we look ahead? Some of us, some of you guys are looking ahead at the empty nest here. Some of us are in the middle of them now. How are we going to keep our marriages strong? And I believe intentionality is the key word. I got a couple of questions I'm going to ask you guys, uh, just for a personal inventory of where you're at. Just as you think back about your own life today, in the past, looking ahead. And I want you guys to answer honestly to yourselves. Are you intentionally pursuing God, growing daily in your relationship with Him? For those of you who are wondering, what does that look like? How do I even answer the question? Are you spending time in prayer daily? Like I said earlier, in first service, this is not a... God is not a genie in a bottle, and when we rub Him the right way and use the correct words, we get the things we want. God desires a personal, close, intimate relationship with each one of us. And part of that relationship is communicating with him through prayer. Revealing our, our, our most intimate thoughts and our hurts and those things that we don't talk to anybody else about. God desires that we talk to him about those things. That's what a, a prayer life really is. Other ways to intentionally pursue God, spending time in his word daily, taking time each day to pour over his word, to allow it to transform your mind, meditating on it daily. <clears throat> and for most of you here today, you understand the importance of this third thing we can do to pursue God, and that is corporate worship. Coming together as a body of believers to worship God together, to grow together, to study His Word together. This idea of iron sharpening iron. It happens here at Sunday service, but it also happens in home groups. For those of you who are involved in home groups, it's a great way to get plugged in with other believers, to worship God together, to grow in your relationship together, grow closer to God Next question. I don't know if you guys have seen this illustration before, but the idea here is this triangle is is the husband and wife are on the bottom and God's at the top. And as we draw closer to God, we naturally are drawn closer to one another. It's also true of, of the other relationships we have in our lives. And so that's why I'm asking these questions today. Are you being intentional? Are you growing closer to God? As you grow closer to God, it's natural for you to grow closer to your wife. What's really interesting is if you actually took the husband... Well, let's just say the wife, because that tends to be the case. If she slides up there closer to God, she's not actually getting any farther away from her husband. She's drawing closer to God. But what's interesting is as the husband and wife grow together towards, grow towards God, they grow together more and more. So my second question to you guys today is, are you intentionally investing in your spouse? And I want you guys to think about this and answer honestly. Last week, uh, Kurt and Jen talked about falling in love versus staying in love. the idea of falling in love is something that happens at the beginning of our relationship, but there's this need for us to continue staying in love, and I don't think they look a whole lot different. I think it's about investing time with our spouses. 
spending quality time together, enjoying each other, finding things that you enjoy doing together and then do them together. Or maybe it's finding things you don't enjoy doing together. Maybe there's something your wife likes to do that you don't, but you can do that with her because you enjoy spending time with her. Another area we can be intentionally investing in our spouses is in the area of intimacy. And I know what you guys are thinking. All the guys are over here raising their eyebrows, giving the little elbow. I'm not just talking about sex. Now it's time for the wives to elbow back. I'm talking about <laughs> spending quality time together, holding hands, cuddling on the couch when you're watching TV. That's a huge pastime in America today, to sit on the couch and watch TV. My wife and I like to get a cup of coffee in the morning when the weather's nice and sit out on the patio and <clears throat> on our little table. It's a little round table, a little bigger than this, and we just like to sit and talk, visit about what's going on in life, what's going on in during our days, and it's just a time of intimacy together. And I think the most important way we can invest in our spouses is in how we pursue God together as a couple. Bible studies are a great way to do that. thought maybe he's coming up to sing again. <laughs> Bible study is a great way to do that. Spending time together, just looking at God's Word together, growing together, talking about Sunday morning sermons, those things that are challenging you each day, about your walk with God. Share those with your spouse. Talk together about how you can grow together. <clears throat> I think the most important thing we can do, one of the greatest, most rewarding things we can do as a couple is to serve God together. Our greatest value as a couple is not in our home, it's not in our family, but it's in what we together can offer the world around us. And serving together is the greatest way to accomplish that. <clears throat> I told you that uh, we were missionaries in Papua New Guinea for six years. And uh, while we were there, both our kids graduated from high school. And uh, we transitioned them back to the States and then went back. And now they were literally a halfway around the world. There was no way we could see them. We knew there was going to be at least two years at a time we would not be able to see them face-to-face, -face, um, be a part of their lives. But what's really interesting, like I said earlier, we could look back and we can see God orchestrating things in our lives. And, and we see that... God had us in a place where we were serving full-time in ministry. We were working as uh, support personnel on a, on a center, on one of our mission centers, for a while, and then we moved into a bush location and began church planting amongst an unreached people group. And that focus on serving God together as a, a unit, as our team, really distracted us from the, from the selfishness that often happens when, when our children leave the home and, and we begin to suffer from what they call the emptiness syndrome. <clears throat> and I say that because... I want that for each of you. Those of you who are, are looking at the empty nest, here's a way that you can overcome the, the feelings of loneliness and the silence in the home is by serving together this wonderful God. As our children left the home while we were in Papua New Guinea, like I said, we were full-time in ministry. Every day, all day, all we did was serve and work to further his kingdom. And what's amazing is as they left the home, we, began, we get, began to have this new purpose. Our purpose originally was raising children. We, we focused a lot of our attention. Even when we were in ministry, we focused a good portion of our attention on raising children, making sure that they were going to be productive, independent, interdependent adults when they left the home. And as they left the home, that allowed us to have a new purpose. And it gave us better opportunities to be involved in those around us. And like I said earlier, our greatest, most important relationship we can have is with God. And together, as a team, serving God is the greatest way to overcome the empty nest. <clears throat> so, as we look ahead to 
this week, this month, this next year? What are things we can be doing to help us grow in this area of strong, healthy marital relationships, especially in view of the empty nest? <clears throat> I think, first of all, it begins with each one of us personally being intentional in pursuing God, drawing close to God and allowing him to draw close to you. It's a promise he makes in Scripture. And as that happens, we begin to see that all the relationships around us, every relationship we have, begins to be molded by that relationship we have with God, especially our marriage relationship. If you look through Scripture, it's amazing how many uh, marital illustrations, words God uses to represent his relationship with his people. There's negative ones, there's positive ones. It's amazing how many, and that's why I believe that the marriage relationship is most is meant to be the closest representation of our relationship with God that there is. So we need to pursue God. We need to be drawing close to him, allowing him to draw close to us and allow that to mold and shape our relationships we have in this world today. <clears throat> Those of us who are married, I think the most important thing we can be doing daily is to make every effort to stay in love. What does staying in love look like? Well, it doesn't look much different than falling in love. <clears throat> Like I said earlier, it's spending quality time together. It's not allowing children, your work, or anything else to interfere or come between you and your spouse. After all, your spouse is one of the most important relationships God's given you on this earth outside of himself. So this week, I want you to find a fun activity to do together with your spouse. I don't care what it is. Just find something fun to do with your spouse. Not just this week, but continue to do it each week until every day you're finding ways to spend time together to become best friends with your spouse. This week, too, find some time to be intimate. Intimacy is, is one of those things that um, our society has twisted into some physical attraction, physical uh, thing we have, and uh, it's not meant to be that way. Yes, sex that intimacy of sex is, is meant to be there and it's meant to be something special that a husband and wife share, but there is so much more beyond that in spending quality time together, sharing your most personal, intimate thoughts together. So look for some time to be intimate. If you have children in the home, you can't do that with children around. Find time away from the children to be together, to grow in your love relationship. If your kids are gone, that's the perfect time. Oftentimes we just don't look for those opportunities. And then look ahead to the future. Look begin finding ways that you and your spouse can serve God together as a team. Like I said, it's one of the greatest, most rewarding things you can do is to see lives changed and to be doing it together with your perfect teammate. When you look back at, at Genesis, you see that God stated that Eve was this perfect workmate for Adam. That's what she was created for. They were created to work together, to be a team, to accomplish together what it was too difficult for Adam to accomplish on his own. God had given him work to do and realized, God didn't realize, but Adam had to realize that he needed help doing it, and God created the perfect workmate for him. And that's what we're focusing on today, is our perfect workmate, being a perfect team with our spouse. <clears throat> Some of you are in the empty nest right now. Some of you may be looking ahead to the empty nest being just around the corner, maybe many years down the road. But for those of you who are realizing today that you have not invested the time you should in your marriage. You've allowed other things to distract you. 
from your marriage. You've invested too much time in work, too much time in your children, too much time in any number of things. I want to say that it's never too late to fight for your marriage. It's never too late to invest in this relationship God has for you today. Our society is a throwaway culture. Everything we have is thrown away. And you realize that even more when you go overseas and you see people that when they get a plastic bag that has food in it, the plastic bag doesn't get thrown out. It gets recycled into something else. And I think that that idea of a throwaway culture has trickled down into our marriages. And somehow we've taken something that's meant to be for a lifetime and we've made it disposable. And like I said last service, I'm not trying to bash people that are divorced. My point is that Hold on a second. My point is that it is never too late to fight for this relationship you have today. It's never too late to begin falling in love again. And so that's my challenge for each of you today as you go out into this week, that you would begin falling in love with your spouse again, that you would continue staying in love with your spouse, and most importantly, that you would continue to pursue a relationship with God a healthy, growing relationship that trickles down into every other relationship and molds how you interact with every other person around you. Last service, I got done pretty early, and I decided that to make up for it, we'd go about an hour and a half today, if that's all right with you guys. <laughs> but actually, no, I'm done. I'm just joking. So I'd, I'd like to close this in prayer, and then I think Kurt's going to come up for communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you continue to pursue us, Father, that uh, you love us even when we're unlovable and that you've provided the perfect sacrifice to provide a way for us to be reconciled to you again. Pray that uh, as each one of us step out of this doors of this church today that this watching world would see something different and they'd be drawn to you, Father. <clears throat> that we would have an impact in our community that uh, they've never seen before that Jesus would be made great right here in our little valley. It's in his name we pray. Amen.